You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Here's to the adventure-seeking dog mushers out there. The hundreds of you who stand on the runners dreaming and thinking about the Northern Lights. Of course, there is something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Palm Media and harness your creative side. Maybe even earn enough money. Enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm not just a dog musher. I'm a rover. I'm a wanderer. I'm a voyager. I'm an explorer. Visit firstpaw.media. Mush on over today. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome everybody, this is Robert and you're listening to Mushing Radio here on KVRF 89.7 in the Matsu Valley. RadioFreePalmer.org is our live streaming site and you can find all of our episodes over on firstpaw.media and search for Mushing Radio. You can also find us all over the socials by searching for First Paw Media. And today I have a guest calling in from the Fairbanks, Alaska area. She does some very cool things, and I am excited to talk to her. Her name is Casey Powell. Casey, how are you today? I am doing absolutely wonderful, Robert. Thanks for having me on the show today. Well, thank you for being on. Casey, could you do us a favor and give us a very quick bio? Tell us who you are and what you're all about, please. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Casey Powell, and I'm actually the new executive director of Noble Paws. And what Noble Paws does is we work with people who experience disabilities and at-risk behaviors. This includes people with addictive behaviors, PTSD, developmental disabilities, cerebral palsy, autism, and any behavioral health-related issues. And what we do is we teach them how to run a team of sled dogs, and we teach them that they are independent and can be whatever they would like to be in the wilderness and they can live outdoors with us and be who they are it doesn't matter about their disability they are capable with the right tools and i'm excited to jump in and talk about that in a little bit and that in fact that's why i reached out to you because i had steve vick on the old Uh, executive director or founder or whatever he was several years ago, and I know he's since retired. So I'm anxious to talk to you and see how you're doing things the same and different. But before, let's take a step back, Casey. How did you get involved with dog mushing? Well, that's a fun story. I got involved with dog mushing because I was super passionate about working dogs. And I was actually at a Jimmy Buffett concert down in Southern California with my parents. And my dad met this gentleman who had some daughters. And one of them just got back from working on a glacier with 300 sled dogs on the size of a football field and ran tours. And after my dad told me that, I was like, all right, I can have a new friend. This sounds cool. So I talked to her a little bit. She told me to go apply for a job at Alaska Icefield Expeditions where they run tours on the Mendenhall Glacier in Juneau. And I applied for a job at like midnight one night with my mom. And I was 19 years old and she's like, go for it, go for it. 
and I applied and I got a call a few weeks later, interviewed me, I got hired. So I bought a ton of gear and moved to Alaska from Southern California to go work on a glacier with 300 sled dogs on the sides of a football field with a bunch of cool people who knew what they were doing. You know, I don't think I've ever heard a story quite like that one before. Jimmy Buffett and sled dogs. I guess you could truly say not cheeseburgers in paradise, but sled dogs in paradise. I think that's a pretty good. I, you know, I think Hobo Jim is the Jimmy Buffett of Alaska, to be honest with you. And unfortunately, his passing last year completely shattered my heart, even though he was nowhere near and dear to me like I'm sure his friends and family but man that guy and him talking about whale watching and then running sled dogs to gold mines that is my entire life I used to work on a whale watching boat and now I'm a gold miner with sled dogs wow it's like Hobo Jim put a story on my life and it's mind-blowing to me how how accurate he was you know, I've heard those stories several times about Hobo Jim, and I had a chance to meet him on several occasions uh, during uh, my early years here in Alaska. What a great guy. And you're right. He, he is sort of uh, the quintessential Jimmy Buffett, if you will, of Alaska. And I think that is very, uh, very really? much a cool story for sure. So what year was that, that you, that you made the leap from down in warmer climates to up here in Alaska? That was 2016. So about, what is that? Uh, seven, eight years ago now. Eight, yeah. Yeah. Eight, eight now, eight years ago now. It's crazy. So you worked on the glacier and a lot of dog mushers got their start uh, that way, uh, working there in the summers for the tourists and all of that. How long did it take you to make the leap from working on the glaciers and working for other people to finally jumping in with two feet and uh, moving up to sort of the mushing hotbed of the world there in Fairbanks and opening your own kennel? Well, I was pretty lucky because my very first summer on the glacier, I became best friends with a wonderful musher. Her name used to be Joanna Jago, and now it has been changed to Joanna Weber because she married a wonderful guy named Joe. And I was a part of her wedding and one of her bridesmaids. But she randomly one day asked me on the glacier and said, hey, we're friends. I kind of like you. And I was like, yeah, I kind of like you too. <laughs> She's like, you should move in with me and my handlers and come run sled dogs and learn the sled dog life with me. And I was like, wow, that sounds <laughs> amazing. Absolutely. So I moved down with Joanna right after that summer, my first summer in Fair or in Juneau and moved up to Fairbanks with Joanna and lived in her house with her. And learned a lot of things from Joanna. Joanna is amazing. She was born and raised between Fairbanks and the bush. And her dad had sled dogs. And she is an amazing musher and an amazing human being and has taught me so much in my life. That That is awesome. And it, it's always great to have those, not only mentors, but of course, friends. Th those are the, the best teachers. I, I'm, I'm sure you would agree with that. Absolutely. And she actually has now ran Iditarod and finished twice. So no. I'm sure you'll interview her someday. <laughs> someday. She she is on the list. And that is nothing to sneeze at by any stretch is being able to do 
the infamous Iditarod. So let's fast forward a little bit. You have a very unique name for a sled dog kennel, and I am always a huge fan <laughs> of how people come up with their names for not only their kennels, but also their dogs. And the name of your kennel is The Goat Project. What is that all about? All right. So let's talk about the truth. We we don't really talk too much about the truth because it's a long story with, with our guests. So we'll tell the real truth story behind the Go Project. Okay. Well, the Go Project happened when I was living out at China Hot Springs Kennel and I was managing their kennel. And um, my husband decided one Christmas before when he was my boyfriend at the time, of course, that he was going to get me a bunch of used, gross, dirty sleds that he needed to refurbish for Christmas. So he bought a bunch of sleds, four or five sleds, and refurbished them, just made them from complete trash to completely beautifully runnable, torable, perfect sleds. And he would text me and I'm like, I would ask him, hey, what are you working on? What are you doing? And he would say, I'm working on a project for you for Christmas. And everything smells like goats. It's nasty. <laughs> it's the goat project. It's gross. Well, my cousin at the time was one of our dog handlers out at China Hot Springs. And I got her hired out there. And she was working for us. And she knew exactly what the goat project was and that it was my husband building sleds for us. So one day... I'm like, whatever, fine. It's just the goat project. It's the goat project. And then finally Christmas comes along and he decides he drags all five sleds into the house. Of course, of course. Why not? Why not drag them into the house? And I walk downstairs. He makes me go upstairs. My parents are in town visiting and I come down and there's five sleds. One was for me to teach my stepson how to run sled dogs, which was really cool because that's exactly why we bonded in life. And how we have such an amazing relationship, my stepson and I, is because of the sled dogs. So it's a pretty cool story as well. But I came downstairs, saw these five sleds, and was just blown away. So a few months later, we were like, well, we had a litter of puppies. What are we going to name the kennel? We need a name for our kennel. Well, the Go Project, it came, came to be. Well, one day, a few months later, Lance Mackey, big name, was talking to one of his handlers. And he said... Oh, the Go Project, what do they think? They are the greatest of all times. And a good friend of mine, Brooke, said, no, Casey does not think she's the greatest of all times. That stands for get out and try. And ah. she told me that story and I dropped. And I was like, whoa, go get out and try. Absolutely. That's what our kennel stands for. We're not here to win. We're not trying to be the best. We're not the best. We don't ever want to be the best. We want to be who we are and succeed in what we want to be successful in. And Get Out and Try just blew up after that. And so our kennel has ever since then with the amazing Lance Mackey being like, oh, who's Casey? And after that, Lance and I had an amazing relationship after he met me, <laughs> of course, which was super fun. But he realized that we weren't the, we didn't, we never wanted to be the greatest of all times. So we've always wanted to be the people that you get out and try. And if you try, you will succeed. I'm going to put a finger on that in just a second, but I have to say for our listeners that are listening around the world, you guys are very close to 
the North Pole where Santa's workshop is. And when we I are. when I heard that story of your husband kind of tooling away in in the woodshed or the workshop, it reminded me of the Santa's little helper story, you know, the elves tooling away, getting things ready for Absolutely. Christmas. That's exactly what that sounds like. I know you guys are very close to the real North Pole, Alaska. Is that right? We are. We are very close to Santa, to real Santa in the North Pole, which is so cool, especially for our kids. <laughs> well, let's talk about the get out and try. I think that that mantra fits very nicely to what you guys are doing with your now association with a, a very reputable organization called Noble Paws. And you're you're really having folks that, that may not have opportunities to truly get out and try something new. And I know you introduced the the um, sort of the mission of that uh, organization a bit ago, but how did you come about with uh, being the new executive director and sort of being handed over the reins, if you will? Yeah, absolutely. That's a super fun story that most people don't know anything about. I was just telling a good friend of mine the other day at Ivory Jacks about the story, and she asked if I if I bought Noble Paws, if I paid for it. And that's the difference about having a nonprofit that you know nothing about, which I knew absolutely nothing about these nonprofits until Steve and I were chatting. So here's our funny story. I found out that Steve was getting out of dog mushing. And I knew what Steve did. I texted Steve one day, and we've been good friends for about six, seven years now since I moved up here. He's been one of my biggest mentors and one of the biggest supporters and help in my life. He's let me borrow his dog since day one and has really trusted me with his whole heart and soul and his dogs, which is really amazing, truly. But Steve, I found out that he was getting rid of his dogs and was going to stop doing noble paws. So my biggest thing was I, I said, hey, I want to buy all of his sleds that he carries disabled people on on with. And so I texted him and I said, hey, Steve, I'm interested in some of your sleds. He said, hey, come over. I've got a bunch of meat for you, frozen meat for you that I'm not going to use for the dogs. A bunch of it was beef fat. And he was like, come pick it up. I went over to his house to go pick up the meat and to go ask him if I could buy one of his um, sleds that would handle anybody experiencing disabilities on it. And he stopped me when I got there and he said, why do you want to buy this sled off of me? And I said, this was my response, which was so funny to me. I said, everybody wants me to be a race musher. Everybody wants me to go run the Iditarod or the Yukon Quest. I don't have that in my heart and soul. I've dabbled in racing and I don't love it. I'm not competitive anymore. I don't want anything to do with the racing scene. My husband likes racing. That's great. I'll train the dogs. He can race. I don't want anything to do with it. He said, why do you want to buy this sled that can click a wheelchair into it? And I said, well, I would much rather give someone a tour that has a disability than run a race. And he stopped me and he said, what do you think about taking over Noble Paws? I was like, what do you mean? I don't even I don't even know what that entails. <laughs> what do you mean by that? And he said, well, it's a nonprofit. So all of my assets, my sleds, my gear would become yours with the nonprofit. So I was like, OK, so I would get all these sleds at least for the nonprofit so I could actually teach people experiencing disabilities how to run a team of dogs without building and doing all this stuff. And. I feel truly, truly, truly that 
Steve and I have had a great relationship the last seven years. And he told me personally that I was on his mind to ask about taking over Noble Paws. And if I didn't take over Noble Paws, he was going to let Noble Paws die, which is what you do with a nonprofit. You can donate your assets and you can let your nonprofit kind of die out, which is absolutely fine. But why not have someone who's so passionate about it and just go? My my husband says, I just ran with it, like just dumped a dump truck load of fun on me and just ran with it. It's so true. I was so excited when Steve asked me to take over Noble Paws. I My husband was not 100% on board. And I had to convince him, like I've done my whole life. I make PowerPoints. I convince my family and my loved ones about why I need another dog or why I need another animal or why I need this nonprofit. And it works because I get to the facts. I get to those points. And, you know, it just, it's, it's what I'm passionate about. And I cannot wait to make Noble Paws even bigger and just give Steve what he has put into this back to Steve because Steve has done an amazing job starting and continuing this nonprofit for the last 10 years. And he gave it to us because he knows that we won't just sit back. We are going to explode this nonprofit and we're going to make it bigger and better than ever. Casey, so there's my long story. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> there, there's a lot to unpack there. And I know that we are short on time, but I have a couple of things to add to that. First off, uh, when you said that you don't care about racing Iditarod or Quest or something like that, and I was hearing my own story there. I've done a lot of racing in my years, and it took quite a while for me to decide I wanted to do something else. And for the last few years, I've been teaching um, dog mushing at uh, Alaska Pacific and UAA down here in Alaska. And that is where the, that's where the true passion comes in is teaching other people, not just getting out there and racing. Racing is not only very expensive, but it's over on Sunday. And then you got to do it, do it all over again. And And it's so much hard work. These mushers, these race mushers put so much hard work into it where I love hard work, but I don't, I don't want the hard work to not get anything out of it. If I work really hard every day and I help people with disabilities learn to mush and give them independence and self, you know, reliance, I'm helping them in these race mushers. They're helping themselves, of course, and that's needed. Their dogs love it. They love it. It's it's their drive and it's their passion and it's it's amazing, but it, it's not me. Exactly, exactly. It is amazing. And first off, I have to congratulate uh, you with being able to take that over. And I hope that it turns into a whole bunch of really great things. And I said at the top, this is why I wanted to have you on to really showcase this since it's been so long since we had Steve on. But a couple of questions about um, how folks uh, run sled dogs with disabilities. And of course, there's all sorts of different types of disabilities, whether you said intellectual or, or physical or whatever, there's all sorts. So I know that you guys have a couple of ways of doing this. You have sort of the fat tire, three tire, three wheel cart type bikes, and then you have the sleds as well. Can you give us a brief description of both of those, sort of that dry land style and then the, the you know, the, the snow style, how folks 
can run a team of dogs using both of those types of pieces of equipment? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we'll start with winter, winter, which is our main passion of running our sled dogs, of course. And when most of our dogs are home with us, they we have so many amazing adaptive sleds that have been donated or gifted or made for us. And actually, my husband, Dan, he is he builds all of our sleds personally. So he has already started refurbishing and rebuilding a lot of our adaptive sleds. But we have sleds where anyone can run them. If you have um, any type of physical disability, you can run a team of dogs. And that right there is quite amazing. We have hand brakes. We have um, just different types of toboggan sleds where anybody with any disability is capable of running two plus dogs. And we have really nice trails out of our house where right from our kennel, we can hook up dogs. We can have anybody experience a disability. They can do as much as they want. So we are the kennel where you do what you want when you come and work for us. If you are experiencing disabilities and it's hard for you to hook up dogs, we'll do all that for you. We'll get you set and then you can run our trail. And we have anywhere from a half mile to a five mile trail for any handicap. Any, any, any disability can run that trail because it is the size of a bulldozer wide and has really nice swoopy easy turns and it's capable for anyone to use it and then we have longer runs where we can teach our kids and our students to do races and stuff like that where they can run more intense runs and they can follow us on really fun crazy runs but we do have a lot of sleds where that most of them have been of course sponsored through noble paws and have been gifted to us but these sleds are amazing. They can do anything. And then we have either four wheelers or carts where people experiencing disabilities are also involved in running those dogs in the dryland tours in the summertime when we do not have snow here. So when we don't have snow here, they can still hook up those, I would say four to 10 dogs because it's much harder to pull on that dryland, dirty, especially if there's any water attraction versus the snow where sleds kind of glide across it but we have everything for basically anybody experiencing any type of physical disability to run a team of dogs with us 365 days a year i i love it and we're definitely going to put uh, links to to noble paws as well as your sled dog kennel on your show notes page but casey before we go i have some questions that i ask all of our guests on the podcast. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. All right. The first one is, since we've talked a lot about sort of all sorts of type of, of mushing, so I'm interested to hear what you have to say on this one, but where do you see the sport of mushing in the next five or 10 years? You know, I do see dog mushing kind of staying the same up here in Alaska for the next five or 10 years. Um, I hope everything with the snow and stuff stays the same, but I truly think that this is the sport of Alaska and Alaskans love the sled dogs and we love the sled dogs. 
We call our sled dogs pet sled dogs because they get loose, they come inside, they are our babies and our children on top of our actual physical children. And they're loved and spoiled and they love running. They love working. And if we don't let them work and run, there's no such thing as the sport. So we have to let our dogs do what they want and they love to do so we can continue this sport. But I think in the next five to 10 years, things, things are going to be the same, except, except for the people experiencing disabilities. They're going to have a whole whirlwind of things to do with Noble Pie. So anybody in the world, and I am talking out of the state, out of the country, if their life goal is to run a team of sled dogs, they can do it and they are capable and we will do everything in our power to help them do that. Well, you know, Casey, about 130-odd countries listen to our podcast, and a heck of a lot of them travel up to Alaska. So you may be getting some calls in the next couple of years by saying, hey, I heard you on a podcast. I'm interested in going for a ride. We would love that. We love everyone. Everyone. And we also have an Airbnb, so they can come stay with us. They can come mush with us. They can become Spoiled dog people over here. All right. So the next question I have, and I know we talked about this one before air, so it's going to be interesting to hear what you have to say with this one. But are you currently reading a book, a blog, a website, a series, or something that provides some type of inspiration for you? Um, Currently, no. But in the past, I have a lot of dog training books that I have read, a lot of dog books I have read. Um, But currently it's summertime and up here in Alaska, I'm sure you understand that it's it's really hard to to read a book when you're trying to get things done in this nice weather. Just just a little different. Right. Yeah, it is. And I know you mentioned Lance Mackey a bit ago and unfortunately he passed away a couple of years ago now at the time of this recording, but I'm sure you had a chance to read his book. Did you not? Or at least see his book. Oh, film. absolutely. It's it's in my Airbnb sitting there for everyone else to read too, because I love it so much. All right. So we're going to link that book up in your show notes page. And I think that will be a good one for, for folks that are listening. Yeah, no, absolutely. Lance Mackey, he was, he was an absolute amazing dog man. So the next question is, is where are you finding gratitude or giving thanks to right now? Well, I mean, that's insane. Everyone I know. I mean, honestly, Steve Vick is one of my biggest people to give thanks to. I mean, he has gifted me this nonprofit and trusted me with taking over and making this and he even told me he said I want you to make this bigger and better than I ever had it and that's now my passion in life is to show Steve that I will make this nonprofit bigger and better than he did and not that he couldn't because he is truly amazing for starting this entire nonprofit I I could not have started something like this and got the sponsors and we are so thankful and lucky for our sponsors that are continuing to sponsor us while I'm the new executive director and they're trusting me with doing good for the world, which is clearly my only passion in life is to help everyone and do good for the world. But 
Steve honestly is probably my biggest person to thank here. He has trusted me and my husband and my family to take over Noble Paws and it makes me want to cry thinking about how much he cares for my family and trusts us to do good for this community. And But other than that, we have some really amazing sponsors like Cold Spot and um, Aurora Animal Clinic, Big Rays, Cold Spot, um, Fort Knox. We have some really, really, truly amazing sponsors who have helped us. And anyone, anyone listening to this podcast, if you follow along at noblepaws.org and you sponsor us, every cent of your money goes towards these dogs and these programs to help and to get these kids and people and veterans the help they need in nature and to realize that they are capable to do anything that we are capable of doing because they are just the same as us. They just need the right tools to help them. Again, Casey, you guys are doing some great things up there. And that was my last question is, do you have anybody that you wanted to thank or or those sponsors? And we'll be sure to link those up in, in your show notes as well. Casey, before we go, is there anything that we missed or something you want to touch on pretty quickly uh, moving forward? No, I mean, unless you want to know a cool dog story or two about my my crazy wild animals. Let, let's hear a quick dog story. Do you have a favorite? Uh, tell us about uh, he or she and, and maybe a quick story about them. Unfortunately, it's a he or she turns into a litter of seven. But Uh-oh. this litter of seven is truly the loves of our life. And they're called the World War II airplane litter. And... When they were six weeks old, their mom was barking pretty aggressively in a chain link pen and notified my husband and I that there was a black bear outside. Well, that black bear ended up chasing me about 30 yards. And my husband did have to um, put the black bear down because it was unfortunately near the black bear's life. But ever since those little six week old puppies witnessed that, they are the most incredible hunting dogs for us. And so many mushers have told me in my life to not train my dogs, my sled dogs, to be hunting dogs and to be squirrel dogs and to be all these, these other things. But these sled dogs are truly the most amazing specimens of animals because my dogs can go tree squirrels, they can tree bears, they can hunt, they can hunt caribou and moose we can leave them behind on the boat and i'll just cry at the surface to be like hey i'm over here and we'll pick them up and they are honestly the most loyal best dogs in the entire world and it is mind-blowing that these dogs can be my lead sled dogs and they can pass a squirrel on the trail they can pass a caribou they can pass a moose they are so loyal to working and to being what you want them to be they're truly the best dogs on the planet. Like being a working sled dog or being a pet dog, they are the best dogs in the world. And every single one of our sled dogs is what we call a pet sled dog. And I want everyone, everyone to know that, that they sleep inside. Obviously all 25 of them do not sleep inside at once, but they sleep inside and they rotate through our house and they spend lots of time inside. They all know how to sit. They all know how to come. They all know how to stay. They are truly incredible animals, and they are the smartest dogs. 
I have ever met. And I have been training dogs, all dogs, for about 15 plus years now. And truly, I think an Alaskan Husky is the dog of the world. I like it. Uh, Casey, I had mentioned at the top of the show, I love hearing how folks come up with their kennel names and their dog names. And you said that you have these guys named after the World War II litter. What are their names? We have our four girls, and they are Dauntless, Defiant, Vaught, and Valiant. And then our three males are Grumman, Corsair, and Helldiver. I love it. Casey, thank you very much for being on the show today. We covered a lot of ground talking about the Noble Paws, your guys' dogs, just about everything. And we'll make sure that we pass along any questions or comments your way uh, when we get them from our listeners. Again, thank you for being on and we'll talk again soon, okay? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. On behalf of my guest today, Casey Powell, this is Robert for Mushing Radio. We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. From First Paw Media, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You will find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe to. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for First Paw Media. 